listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm excited for today's show, my friend, uh, and uh, good to be chatting with you and back with the audience once again. Indeed. And you know, we'll just start off the show by apologizing. If you can hear a fire alarm going in the distance, that's because it's outside of our office. And I just heard the fire engines roll up, so hopefully it'll go off soon. But Yes, we're hopeful. We're hopeful that the Divey Tavern, a couple of buildings down, isn't going up yeah. in smoke. It would be a shame. But it wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time. And there's a hotel kind of attached to it. So this could get bigger than the both of us. So if we need to cut this out early, we'll let you all know. <laughs> It'll be the first time that that has had to happen in several hundred episodes. But yeah, I am I am looking forward to uh, to our guest today. And uh, joining us today is Kevin Sum. Kevin is the director of marketing at Anguil Environmental. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Kevin. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the discussion as well. Uh, Kevin, it's awesome to have you on the show. And I, I love how Jeff almost screwed up on the uh, on Anguil. Like he was, it was a really hard one for him to get. You didn't really get it there either. Uh, Anglo, I thought I did it good. Uh, <laughs> All right, it's fine. It's fine. Well, look, I start uh, my Ke- career here trying to do, trying to correct people, so I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, uh, but uh, look, in all seriousness, let's uh, let's jump into it. Uh, Kevin, introduce uh, yourself to the to to our audience, and uh, perhaps tell us a little bit about Anglo along the way, if you would. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Um, Kevin Sum, I'm the director of marketing at Anguil. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, get my start in this career, crazy enough, 27 years ago, um, and I've I've been I've stuck with it. Uh, it's 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 exciting. You feel like you're doing something for the better good of society, and and I'm, I'm really passionate about marketing. I love it. Uh, I work for a great company. Um, Anguil's a family-owned company. We do industrial air and water pollution control. Um, it's interesting from a marketing perspective because we're our demand is regulatory driven. Um, you know, when you're selling other products, people have uh, demands for all sorts of reasons. Um, our customers are manufacturers, and uh, they're the the government, the local or federal governments are requiring them to uh, purchase our technologies and services. Um, and we're basically helping manufacturers. Um, when they uh, they have water or air discharge, we're helping them uh, keep the air clean and keep the water pure. And and um, and we're we're a global company. We've um, we started here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, grown uh, quite quite considerably in the last couple of, uh, ten years. I would say it's all good marketing, uh, <laughs> but there's a no, there's a lot of. But of course, we'd say that. Yeah, right. Uh, no, we have a great company. Man, if if the if the company would have been cut in half in the last ten years, they had to blame marketing. So you may yeah, as well exactly, think good. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, our family attitude and culture just starts at the top and goes through the whole company. It's great. Uh, we've got a presence in China, Taiwan. Uh, we just opened an office in India. We're heavy in Europe. Um, it's just really exciting. It's it's a it's a cool industry, um, very niche, or as you say up in Canada, niche. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. We weren't sure what you meant at first. Um, where it is so regulatory driven and where you are a global company, how does that impact your go-to-market strategy? Like, is it different in the United States than it is in China or, or other countries? 
Yeah, um, it is different. Definitely. The easy answer there is yes. Uh, it, but even it, it's different within the United States. Um, you know, you can uh, you can have. I'll start with the United States. You know, you can have a manufacturer that's um, that's making a product, and they have a certain SIC code, and but they happen to be manufacturing within a polluted or within a heavy populated area. Um, that same manufacturer with the same product and the same output that's doing it out in rural um, rural nowhere. Uh, the, the regulations are the the requirement for our equipment is different, so that's that's unique. Like uh, you know, going <laughs> when you were marketing 101, they're like, oh, target SIC codes, NAIC codes. You, uh, uh, we can't do that. There's just because uh, one SIC code in in uh, Guam does not uh, mean it's going to be uh, regulated in in uh, the United States. But uh, globally, though, um, yeah, it's challenging. It's it's very refreshing to see. Uh, the amount of international inquiries coming in from countries that just never had regulations before. From a, from an environmental standpoint, I find that refreshing. It's, um, you know, even China, they're they're clamping down hard. Our office in China is slammed um, with business and inquiries. Um, right now, we're seeing a, a huge influx in inquiries from M Malaysia. Um, you know, just uh, and oftentimes they cite U.S. regulations, which is which is which is kind of cool too. Uh, they'll they'll say, "Well, we're following U.S. regs," um, and then Europe has a slightly different set of regulations, but very strict as well. Um, but I have to say, the uh, the last three to four years, the big the big change has been what they call ESG. It's environmental social governance. Um, so where 10 years ago, a company would say, my local regulatory authority is saying that I need to stop this air, this, this water pollutant from going into the environment. Now it's, it's very refreshing because you just have, uh, corporations have these ESG ratings, um, it's kind of sometimes regulated by their banks, but it's, it's, it's your, it's your, uh, company's external, um, personality. If you if you will, uh, how are you treating your your employees? How are you treating the environment? How are you treating your community? And that ESG rating, it's 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 just very cool to see. It's it's driving people to buy uh, our systems because everybody wants to be green until they see the price tag. Uh, and <laughs> and then, but these ESGs are really changing that. It's cool. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of curious. To what extent do you? find yourself trying to anticipate or chase regulatory changes versus simply the sales offices and whatnot responding to them as they happen. Like, uh, to what extent are you trying to anticipate, oh, this is happening in country X, Y, or Z or region X, Y, or Z, and therefore we're spinning up our marketing in advance of that or in parallel to that? Yeah, I often tell my boss, if, if we could follow the EPA around in their cars, you wouldn't need marketing. Uh, you could, you know, the, uh, but there it's, it's tough. Um, it, it's very challenging. Sometimes, uh, we, we try and tackle that with both sales and marketing, you know, the, the salesmen on the street often are, are hearing, Hey, Kevin, you know, this, this new compound, one of them in the news right now is ethylene oxide. It's a, it's a heavy, uh, they've, they found that it's very cancer causing, uh, the, the rate at which it causes cancer is much more. Uh, dangerous than they originally even anticipated. So four to five years ago, we were hearing that on the street, uh, which from our salespeople. So then they bring it back to marketing and we say, okay, now let's dive in. Um, let's, let's get, uh, get with the regulatory authorities. 
uh, start doing research. Uh, but there is a lot of chasing. Mm. Mm. Does that drive product development as well? Yeah, yeah, it does really. It, it really does. Um, these are custom systems, so the nothing we make is the same. Um, they're, they're, uh, the standard system is upwards of you know three to four hundred thousand um, dollars. They can be smaller, but that's like on average, and they're all custom built for the the application. Really cool. So I mean, this is an interesting challenge because you're on the one hand you're you know you're trying to you're trying to chase the world environmental regulations as a global. Uh, provider of these systems is not going to be a, an easy chore. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a, as you said, it's a very uh, niche market. Uh, so how do you, what, what does your marketing mix look like? What, um, you know, where's the, where's the gold in that mix that you're like this, that, look, I found this is what drives, like if, if I needed one thing to drive leads, it's, it's X, Y, or Z. What is it? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, my kids are in uh, high school right now, so they're studying marketing, which is kind of cool. And they talk about the four P's and the marketing mix, and it's just kind of kind of cliche, right? Um, but I, I have to say, the marketing mix is is really um, crucial for us. Um, you know, we could spend a lot of money on a very aggressive digital campaign that targets uh, the right industry and targets the right audience, and and because we are very niche and it's a very expensive capital ex expense expenditure, um, you know, we may get a couple leads out of that, which is, we, hey, we'll take it. Um, you know, it just takes one lead for us or a couple leads. Um, but I like to say, um, grown adults like stickers. Um, so, you know, being in the manufacturing world, people wear hard hats um, and, and they wear them with pride. You walk around a facility, you walk around a job site. They've got their hard hats, and you can tell how long they've been in the business by how many stickers they have on it or how cool it is. And the guy that walks up with a brand new hard hat is clearly new. Um, so we want to get an angle sticker on his hat, and and he could he you know he works he works for a chemical company now that needs one of our systems. He may go to the competing chemical company tomorrow, and I hope he shows up with our 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 hard, his hard hat with our sticker on it. So <laughs> I was always amazed that people carried those between jobs because. <laughs> In one of my first positions ever as a designer, I was doing a lot of work with industrial paper manufacturers and uh, touring their plants and shooting videos to teach kids about forestry and stuff like that. And uh, I was always amazed that guys that had been there forever had these beat up old hard hats and covered in decals and, and everything else, their name on the front. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you could tell like some of them had come from the power company or other places and they had all those stickers on there too. Yeah. So yeah. it uh, it truly is a kind of a badge that follows yep. the prospect around not not the prospect but certainly an influencer potentially yes yes yeah yeah absolutely how i guess that's an interesting question though jeff or a point because of course as you think about grown adults like stickers appreciate there are white hats and blue hats and those are you know and people buying your systems may wear one hat or the other and influencers may wear one hat or the other what does that committee look like who are you trying to get in front of because it's not just the guy or girl in the hard hat, I'm guessing. No, and from a, whether we're trying to sell service or, or replacement, you know, t a lot of times our systems are purchased from a, a procurement department with engineers and uh, maybe people who have never been in the facility itself. They're they're designing or they're or they're the permit person. Uh, but yeah, then once once it gets in the field, we're targeting the 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 person turning the wrench on it. 
I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. Does the because like how much do those people turning the wrenches actually pull um, new business? Like how much do they influence it? Do you find a lot? I really do. Um, a lot of these manufacturing facilities are very incestual. Whereas they, if you're, you know, if you're in a certain industry, like Jeff was saying, if you're if you're in the printing industry, you you're gonna move. You're gonna you're gonna make the most money if you move to the, another pr a printing company, and hopefully you go from the the um, from turning the wrench to to being the maintenance manager, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're in on the decision on the next system, um, and and you you had a good opinion of our our device at your last employer, and and now you're with a different company at a bigger position. So yeah, it, it um, that's where that marketing mix really comes in. You know, um, you gotta you gotta hit them at every angle. One of those angles, though, that you're not necessarily hitting people in is print anymore. Other <laughs> <laughs> yeah. than some time. What uh, what was driving that, and and has that, you know, has has the actualization of digital, you know, really made the difference in the last number of years? Are you kind of asking if there are any regrets in ditching print? Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, you hear from people who are, you know, hi, oh, we used to get some really great leads from that trade publication. Yeah, yeah. Well, from an environmental standpoint, print is now you. A lot of printers use um, water-based solvents or water-based prints, so inks, and uh, so that's a good thing. So, uh, yeah, people are truly not using as much print as they used to. But from a marketing standpoint, we certainly aren't. Um, we've we we haven't uh, printed a piece of literature probably four or five years. Our trade shows are now going uh, completely uh, paperless. We'll have QR codes out and uh, that's a new thing for us this year. It's a st sustainability initiative for us. So no more paper at, at trade shows. And I'm a, I'm a post-it note guy too, which is gonna drive me nuts. I'm gonna have to use my phone to take notes. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's good. It, uh, but yeah, we're 50% our, our of our, if not more of our, our budget is, is digital. Um, and, and a good chunk of that surprisingly is still trade shows too. We're, we're still, um, we're still, we're still doing trade shows. I, I don't think they're dead. Like the industry said at one point, they're just different. Um, you know, whereas you used to expect thousands of people to show up at the booth. Now you just, you know, you hope for hundreds and, but they're there to have conversations, which is good, especially in the United States. Yeah. I'm thinking, uh... <laughs> I'm curious to see how booth design and display thinking kind of evolves to kind of accommodate that. Because I think at one point, you know, in in those shows that were incredibly busy, where there's just thousands of people moving through a booth or whatever, you're trying to accomplish one thing. And then when you have time to actually talk to people, you kind of actually are trying to accomplish a different thing, or you can kind of design the experience a different way. And I mean, the QR codes are just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, if we can be thankful to the pandemic for anything, it's the people that invented the QR codes. It actually it, it taught people that how to use this thing for the first time, I feel. It's a, such a strange thing. Yeah, right. Now, okay. now they actually get engagement. Yeah, we, we were trying to get people to make it a thing back in 2014, and they wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I felt as an industry, we were trying to make people. Yeah, that's a good point. We were definitely pushing it. Yep. No one was listening. Most people were yeah, like, what? What is that? Is that a... Is I that have a to app? download a special app to read it. Yeah. Why would I do that? Yeah. I, I always said that when Apple makes it a native part of the camera app, that's when QR codes will take off. So it's interesting to kind of think about, is that what spurred it? Or was it the pandemic and the proliferation of QR codes? So, or did they happen at the same time? I don't know. Yeah. 
Someone should write a book. <laughs> it's probably already out there. There's probably a whole <laughs> podcast about it. Um, <laughs> how are you? Um, this, so you know, trade shows are still a thing. Um, you know, I think we're, we're hearing that kind of across the board. It was really interesting because, you know, during the early days of the pandemic, we had a number of episodes with people who, uh, you know, from the IMTS show and, and other trade shows, as well as those who were kind of peripherally related or reliant on them were saying, oh, my goodness, is, you know, it's changed forever and, you know, we'll, we'll never go back and it's all going this other way. And now we're kind of rebounding. And a lot of the things that many of us were taking as gospel two years ago or even a year ago are realizing, no, no, kind of things want to kind of find their natural balance back the other way, potentially. And, and we're going to be going back into those places. But I guess where, where I'm going with this is, you know, how in, in that mix, you know, how are you bringing things to life digitally? Um, not necessarily just for the show, but, you know, more broadly, you know, the, the digital strategy of, of how you're, uh, how you're targeting these niches. Yeah. Um, a couple of things come to mind. Um, of course you got, you know, your website and search engine optimization and all that, which seems now, so routine, almost so so uh, necessary. Um, but I, I really think with, with for our business specifically, um, we need to become um, hunters as a you know. And and, and I, I think to myself, having worked with salesmen from 20 years ago, and they would get the bingo card from the magazine. I don't know if you guys probably remember, but magazines used to go out, and if you liked a product, you'd circle a number and send it into the magazine, and then that, that advertiser would send you a piece of literature, this and that. Um, and, you know, I, those salespeople would live and die by those those bingo cards. And now, you know, if I would have told them 20 years ago, hey, in 20 years, uh, we're going to be able to put our company information in front of someone wherever in the world in a, in a moment's notice if there are we can we can push out a piece of content we can uh tweet something out and they could be on vacation and see our messaging um and and then the the game changer really in my opinion is the the fact that oftentimes we can tell the salesperson who that was you know this reverse ip lookup is huge for us we're we're hunting uh people that come to our i hate to say this but uh, is sometimes when when you when you could track people that come to your website and and do let's put it this way in intelligent canvassing um you're everybody hates big brother right and uh and whatnot but we have reporting um software that'll say hey someone in this industry in this region at this company is looking at your product um that's a salesman's dream and by the way you got this great thing called linkedin and it'll tell you exactly what he does and where he works you know you can you can pull up the company name and it'll tell you who all works there and you know so 20 years ago those salesmen would have said that'll never happen no way no i'm gonna drive in my car and drop off books at, at different manufacturers and uh and now how cool is that that they can sit behind their computer and canvas intelligently canvas I have to think though that a lot of those sales guys back then probably still like that idea better of somebody taking something out of the magazine, punching that circle and requesting the information. Like that's a solid lead, you know, right. <laughs> these guys right. showing up on our website. They had to mean it. They had to mean it then. Yeah. Back, yeah. It was postage paid, but you still had to put it in the box, you know? Yeah, but, but it, it is important to note, though, because, you know, when you are in this kind of category, very few people are showing up to the website by accident. They're not spending time 
to explore what's going on because they're, you know, bored in between uh, uh, periods at their kids' hockey game or something, to use a Canadian reference. But, um, so, you know, that, that, that kind of intelligent, I guess the way you label it, intelligent canvassing makes a ton of sense. And it's still... Um, you know, low-hanging fruit for a lot of people. A lot of people, a lot of B two B manufacturers still aren't doing that and providing the sales teams with that information. I would agree with you. In the industrial world, um, it's sometimes easy to look like a marketing genius because we're slow to adapt from an industrial standpoint. Um, uh, a, a lot of times, um, you'll have a owner of a of a manufacturing facility like ours or a, a, a system provider like us and you'll have the owner say well i can do the marketing um you know we can uh, we don't need to hire somebody for that why would i use an agency um so and then when they realize that when that their comp competition's passing them up um it, it's um but they're slow to adapt is, is my point um oftentimes uh, i think we were in our in our industry, I bet you we were the first ones to do pay-per-click, and I think I, I took my competitors uh, off guard. We started in 2007, and I've, I was standing next to a competitor once at a trade show, and he says, I see your stuff everywhere. How are you doing that? And I just, I, I just shook my head. I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> you go figure it out. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty awesome. I remember the days when you could actually find an industry that hadn't discovered pay-per-click yet. Yeah. And <laughs> introduce it to them and just decimate their competitors. Of course, that kind of, uh, you know, these kind of newbie gains at the gym are going to be harder to get. Where, you know, yes. the next yes. five years aren't going to be as easy as the last 15. No, no, the competition's gotten smarter for sure. Um, one thing interesting, we were talking earlier about print, but in our industry, I don't remember the year, but in one year we had, there were three industrial pollution control magazines that were the top dogs and they were still print and it, it rocked our world because they all three went out of business in, in the span of two years and none of them converted to digitally. So there was this void of digital, of digital pollution control, um, publishers and uh, thankfully they've now we've got several that have come up but none of those three print made the conversion and we we had a void it was it was crazy to your point carmen i don't know that we'll have that in the you know that that may not happen something like that may not happen again like i, I find some 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 businesses that operate kind of in these more regulatory categories sometimes or or, or or, uh, you know, companies that try to help other companies be more environmentally friendly or what have you. Sometimes it can seem like your your struggle to wear the two hats. On the one hand, like, are, are you savior of the environment and enforcer of regulation? Or are you the service provider that helps people do what they need to do in order to meet that objective? Have you ever run into that kind of tension in, in your in your marketing and outreach efforts? Has this come up at all? And again, if it's an absolutely silly question, I'm open to that too. No, actually it's not. It's, it's, uh, I, I'll go back to trade shows. I mean, we would have people walk by us at trade shows and we have this picture of this massive pollution control device. And the guy walks by and he goes, I used to have one of those, finally got rid of it. You know, he was, it was, he was wearing it with a badge of honor that he got his regulatory authority to get rid of that, that, uh, 
you know, that terrible thing that he had to manage because we're end of pipe. So, you know, the manufacturer is making their widgets and they want the process equipment operating 24-7, uptime, uptime, uptime. Um, we're at the tail end taking any, everything they throw at us from water to air. And when our system doesn't operate as they expect, we are the, we are the devil. We are, we, we are big, bad government um, making them do this. And, um, and uh, yeah, and, and then in the United States, you kind of have the, well, they're, they're not, they're getting away with this overseas. That's why we're not competitive. That's not really true anymore. Um, mm. And we've, one interesting thing that we found is even, even 10, 15 years ago, U.S. companies that did business overseas stuck with U.S. regulations. If they started manufacturing in foreign countries, they followed U.S. regulations. And, and I don't think the general public really understood that. Um, it, 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 now that was U.S. companies, uh, um, granted. Sure. Oh, it's really interesting, though. Is it just that they're more worldly? <laughs> Is it just that they're more worldly then? <laughs> yeah. Versed in, in what's expected in other places? or? Yeah, well, now it's they have these standards, these ESGs for sure. Now it's they don't want that black eye, right? From a from a PR standpoint, if you're a manufacturer and you get this black eye of wow, everybody around my plant has cancer. Or all the all the people that live around my plant and outside, I always use Guam as the example, but I'm in Guam and I've got a manufacturing facility and everybody around me is dying. Now it, it, that gets out in the web and you've got a huge black eye. Um, so it's almost like forget what the regulatory people say. I, we manufacture, you know, XYZ manufacturing. Uh, we don't want that black eye. There's a real economic impact now. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It allows you to sell, you know, in some ways you can move from selling to, uh, we help you meet regulations to uh, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt associated yes. with that black eye. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Powerful motivator. Definitely. Well, when it starts to appear in popular culture, I'm thinking of Aaron Brockovich and, you know, other things like that. Like, you know, th those are things that r regular people can recognize. And not a recent movie, one should note. No. <laughs> that was an impressive <laughs> reference, by the way. <laughs> Ripes, is it that old? Wow. Uh, yeah, it, was the, it was one of the first, though, that, that I will say. That was, that was yeah. a game changer. Well, well, this could change in your marketing as well, of course, if we're... If we're seeing the ESG sensibility being one of the drivers, are you starting to shift your marketing then to say, you know what, it's not so much about um, the regulations driving our business. We can actually go out and try to seek out businesses that are looking to um, be a gold standard in their ESG rating. Yes. Yeah, those are the customers we definitely want. Every once in a while, you got to divorce a bad customer um, and... and um we certainly try and latch on to the ones that have the mentality you just described, really. Those are the ones that uh, value it um, and, and they're easier to work with. They, uh, and, and these things take maintenance. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, you can't just set it and forget it. You have, and, and to stay in compliance, you have to invest time and, and money. And, um, and so, yeah, the, the customers that have that at their forefront of their mind are easier to work with and and yeah we do we do try and play to their heartstrings a little bit too especially socially right socially we uh our messaging is much more um uh uh green i guess and 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 uh more emotional mm. that's really interesting because it brings another layer to creating an ideal customer profile 
Like, how are these, it's not just like, what's the firmographic information of your firm in order to understand kind of what you're about, but then you're also layering on top of it. And what other messaging are we hearing? You know, what other kind of sustainability initiatives are they touting in order to get that, you know, to find your top tier customers that are, are placing a real value and importance on environmental initiatives, you'd probably be do well to look at, you know, what other initiatives, environmental initiatives are they talking about? And then, you know, kind of put that on to the actual, you know, typical information. Well, they, are they actually publishing an ESG report, things of that sort? Yeah. That uh, would yeah. all be uh, pretty strong indicators that this might be a tier one prospect potentially. Yeah. And, you know, that that when, when we're... Uh... Our sales cycle is extremely long, so then we're down to you know after the two-year journey of their first from their first inquiry to the proposal, and now you know we're, let's just say we're down one to uh, one of two suppliers being selected or considered. Um, yeah, you know we uh, we do um, do well at um, keeping our customers profitable, uh, um, so we we design around. Uh, around keeping them up and keeping them in good favor with the with the local authorities, their local environment, and 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 then they, when you when you show that you've done it to the to the client, show that you've done it uh, to the client for other people, you can sometimes uh, get a, a premium, and and you should. You know, we we stand behind that. We have these core values that are extremely strong. We just developed them, and. Um, and we don't walk away as one of them. We don't walk away. Our company is, it's always been our philosophy. Uh, we don't walk away until the, the customer's happy. Um, uh, and in our industry, people do. It's kind of scary. Uh, there's the, the contracts are written so that there's 10% at the end, which is based on compliance. And, and we have some competitors that will just say, you know what, Mr. Customer, you can have my 10%. I'm not going to fix this. 90% was good. <laughs> yeah. No- <laughs> Uh, so we uh, we definitely don't walk away, and we never have. It's 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 a it's it's something we take pride in saying and, and uh, standing behind. This has uh, been a fascinating chat. I'm just curious as we come to a a, a close here, kind of um, what is there something kind of around the corner or something that you're seeing from a marketing perspective that you're either thinking holds a lot of promise or is causing a lot of concern. Um. One one that's kind of hitting me right now a little bit is the effectiveness of email marketing. Um, it, it's just difficult. Uh, you, you know, even even here at Angle, we have uh, uh, I, th- I believe we have two spam filters. So if somebody wants to get a hold of me, they got to get through two different spam filters. One based in Outlook, and the other is a third party. Um, we don't spam people. We our our marketing messages are very targeted. They're they're to people who have opted in. So we're very cognizant of that. But even still, the, the people aren't answering those emails. Even when we break through and get to their inbox, they're uh, they're just everybody's so consumed with, um, or excuse me, so exposed to marketing, and they're they're much more selective about what they. Um, what they click on and what they read and and that so email marketing is tough it's 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 another one of those things that used to be so effective and we thought was so great and and now it's just it's tough it's a bit of a digital sacred cow isn't it i mean (laughs) all the other things can come and go but man like email marketing you can always depend on email but apparently not deliverability (laughs) yeah 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 you got to really design well so you can get through those multiple spam filters uh, and then even if you do, hopefully, hopefully they don't unsubscribe or 
or tag you, or worse yet, tag you as junk, then then you know then you'll never make it back in. So is that at what point are you uh, are you actually looking at it now and saying you know we need to get a we need to our, our marketing in three years won't rely on email anymore. Like is has that kind of decision been taken? Um, I wouldn't say the decision's been made, but I see the I feel like the writing's on the wall a little bit. We 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 certainly don't use it like we used to. Like I used to do trade show announcements, like hey, we're gonna be at this trade show, and we'd go to we'd select we'd go into our CRM and select based on industry. And I'm you know I'm I'm hoping these people are are gonna meet me at the show. Uh, they got to. I sent them an email. Uh, we we don't do a lot of promotion for trade shows anymore because I see the unsubscribes happen, and I don't want to. I don't want to be that supplier. We want to when when I do when we do go into their inbox and intrude into their inbox, we want it to be relevant. Um, hey, you know, we know you have this type of system. We think that you may want to look at this, this, and this in order to stay out of trouble with um, pollutants. And and um, and 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 then maybe at the bottom say, and by the way, we'll be at the XYZ show. <laughs> I think, though, I mean, at least if they unsubscribe or worse, mark you as spam, you know, at least then you know where you stand. It's the ones that are unengaged and just get dropped out by your email tool because they're not doing anything. Right? <laughs> just the degradation that happens over time as people just ignore, I think, is probably the bigger and even bigger threat than someone unsubscribing. At least if someone is unsubscribing, they're, they're making a choice to do something. Good point. Yeah. It's interesting to, um, you know, you see people kind of grabbing for the alternatives, right? I mean, I got a, um, a salesperson that I was engaged with uh, in a conversation with just before the holidays, uh, recently tried to have add me to a Slack channel or something. It's like, what are, what are you doing? What's going on here? Like, I just, it's like, uh, if you text me, we're done. Like yeah, but we we've we've actually talked to people who have looked at their their sales strategy as uh, trying to earn the right to text. As a salesperson, they thought that when they earn the right to text, that and it, I kind of I get that you know you are yeah. getting over a, a barrier, but pretty hard to do that at scale, earning the right to text. And uh, I think as marketers, we may just have to. Um, uh, look for something completely different, not saying what's going to replace email is almost kind of just like it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is an interesting perspective though, that barrier to text. I, I, I hadn't looked at it that way. That's, a, that's, that's interesting. Like, yeah. How good do you, how good does the relationship have to be or how good does the value that you provide have to be in order for that person to actually want you to text them? Yeah. Yeah. And you and you better be a, a, a high value target because you, that salesperson only has so many hours in the day, and and so if if he's trying to get in, if that's the objective is to get uh, text clients, you better be one that's going to be uh, buying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at the yeah. Who is a text worthy client? Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a solid Seinfeld reference for uh, those not paying attention, and. That's probably even older than Aaron Brockovich. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and with that, we shall uh, thank Kevin for uh, joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, mate. Thanks, guys. Great conversation. Enjoyed it. Yeah, me as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash thecoolerring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.